God is a creator and he is a giver. He created everything with his word. His word has power in it because his word is, when he says something, when he promises something, it's going to happen. When he said, let there be light, light said, okay, <laughs> and it became light. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the fruits and trees and flowers. He created the animals. He created man. And that's a pattern we see, that his word creates things. He's also a giver. And he uses, he has a pattern of using things that he's created as a means to give something. Especially when he uses it to give something to his Beloved, mankind. We see this pattern of him using things that he's created all throughout Scripture. We see that he used the skins of an animal to cover Adam and Eve after they had sinned, after they were leaving the garden. We see that him use water and use wood in the flood. Water to cleanse the world of sin and something made out of wood to save a remnant of mankind. We see him using the lamb and the blood of the lamb during the Passover when he was getting his people out of Egypt. Specific means. And all those things, God could have just snapped his finger and said, okay, you know, no more people and here's Noah left. You know, okay, so everybody, we're going to, you know, get all the people out of Israel. We're going to poof them out of Egypt, Egypt and put them in the wilderness. He could have done all that, but he uses specific things that he's created in order to give to his people. We see him use, uh, uh, or he commanded and used a bronze snake in the wilderness. For, for when uh, the Israelites from the wilderness, remember they were bitten by the poisonous snakes, and he instructed Moses to craft this bronze snake. And the idea was anyone who looks at this snake will live and not die from the poisonous bite. And all through Scripture, I can go through every book of the Bible and start pointing out, okay, he used this, he used this, he used this. Jesus used water and turned it into wine. Jesus also used his own spit and mud to heal a blind man. So we see these things, these means of delivering. We also see that God used as himself, God the Son, used his actual flesh and his actual blood to be broken and spilled for the forgiveness of sins on an actual cross made out of actual wood. And in the Lord's table, as the men come forward, I want us to remember that what this is about, what this represents, is not so much us doing something to give something to Jesus or to, to, to do something that is our action for him. The table is something where Jesus is doing something for us. See the difference? The Lord's Supper and communion, we see God, we see God the Son is doing something, giving something to us. God is a giver, and he gives us his gifts through certain means. His word, water, bread, and wine for the forgiveness of sins. This is not where we are doing something for Jesus or just simple obedience. But in the table, we see Jesus doing something for us, giving something to us, forgiveness of sins.
Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. These words, remember they're the words of God the Son. These words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Shows us that in the table, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation are given us through these words. For where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. How can bodily eating and drinking do such great things? These, certainly not just eating and drinking, do these things. But the words written here, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the table of the Lord. Because whoever believes these words have exactly what they say. Forgiveness of sins. Who receives this table worthily? Fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training, but that person is truly worthy and well-prepared who has faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Dear Holy Father, we just thank you so much for your love, for your sacrifice, for your gift, for creating something outside of us, for being someone outside of us who gave his very life for us that we might live. This is great comfort to us because you did not leave us to come up with our own idea of our own reconciliation to you. Just as you took Adam and Eve's fig leaves and tossed them aside and gave them something better, a covering of animal skins. You've taken our meager attempts at covering ourselves with our unrighteousness and if you clothed us with the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the table. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What will my heart feel when I 
Quite a duo. Hallelujah. I do want to thank all the praise team. We're missing two today. We're missing Billy today. And we were also missing Michael this morning. And uh, someone had said to me that it might be a good idea if they don't show up that their fathers might come and take their place. So, Bill. All right. Michael, don't want you up here either. What do you think, Gloria? <laughs> Praise God. I do appreciate everyone that takes part in the service. Also forgot to mention that Martha and Mia was born on the August the 21st, both on the same day. Uh, Martha was born a great deal before her, but... Uh, they were born on the same day. Happy birthday to you. All right, I'll make it up to you. I promise, I will make it up to you. Maggie, have you got that card for me? Eh? No, Ursula has it. Uh, there are some uh, people off with the vacation. 
And uh, I like people to have a vacation and have a good time and to be blessed. And also, uh, there are some folks that are off sick. Karen Midland's off sick. There are several others that are off sick. And we have to remember them in our prayers. Remember Gail uh, with our knee. She's coming on great with the knee, but there's other parts of her body that are really, really very, very painful. And thank you, Maggie. And also, um, uh, Wanda. And uh, Sam made it out of the house today. Jim hasn't made it yet. So I just don't know how smart these Marines are when you see things like that happening. I'll let you think about that one and ponder it. Also, Paul Garman's daughter, Kay, who we've been praying for, Paul means uh, an awful lot to us. I don't think he's, he's gone, is he? He's out the back. He's probably cleaned it up. But uh, we sent, we prayed for a blanket for her. Her name is Kay, and she was diagnosed with, with cancer, and she got the results this week. And this is a card to her and the team. Karen is part of that team. So Graham makes sure that she hears. Uh, thank you so much for a beautiful prayer blanket. Uh, as a fellow, I can't read that part. I admired your work. A crochet. As a fellow crochet, I admire your work. I just wanted to let you know how thoughtful it was for you and the church to think of me. The blanket has brought me much comfort and peace. God bless you. Love, Kay. And she didn't get the complete result that she was looking for on Thursday, but she got a good report. The cancer that she has is the least invasive form that there is. So let's continue to pray for, for Kay and our dad, Paul, uh, who means, means so much to us as a church. You all mean so much to us as a church. Last week, the title of my message was, Our God is Able. This week, the title is, In the Middle of a Muddle. Go figure. John and the team, would you just come? They're going to sing before I speak this morning. And I will say that I have to give Maggie the kudos for the title in the middle of a muddle because I didn't know which title to give it. So she brought the title, and I think it's a very appropriate title for the message for today, in the middle of a muddle. And I don't think there'll be anyone in here today that this message won't affect somehow or some way. So I'm going to ask the team to play before I speak this morning, and just be in prayer today, hallelujah, that the words that are come, are come from the Lord, and that they minister, and they speak to the folks here that need to hear it, because there's someone here today that's just here to hear this message, in Jesus' name. in grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found 
Praise the Lord. In the middle of a muddle from Daniel 3. I'm going to recap a little bit from the message of last week, which title was God is Able. The three Hebrew men faced with a dilemma, bowed to the king's image, or faced the fiery furnace. Confronted by the king, they were quick to respond. Our God is able to deliver. But if he doesn't, we still will not bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were committed to the Lord and him alone. Knowing if they had to keep their stand or face the wrath of King Nebuchadnezzar, they had taken their stand. They were determined no matter what was they were in for that was coming. They didn't realize everything, but they had seen enough of the king to realize that he has, was mean sometimes. They had taken their stand. Boy, did that make the king angry. And the three of them were bound hand and foot and thrown into the fiery furnace. 
which was heated up seven times more than normal, seven times more than usual. The very men who put them into the fire were killed because it was so hot, just at the outskirts of before they threw them in to the fiery furnace. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, and the fire was so hot, it freed them from their fetters that bound them. Walking around in the furnace, the king jumped up and looked in, so surprised. He not only saw three men walking, but he saw a fourth walking in the middle of their muddle. A fourth man right there alongside him. Not only the three. And he looked, and the fourth man looked like the image of the Son of God. It didn't only look like him, it was the Son of God. Taking it forward from there, I'm going to tell you of a little bit about the fourth man in the furnace. Isn't it amazing? That's the only things that were burned in the fire were the ropes and the fetters that bound them. Their hair wasn't singed, their coats weren't touched, just the chains and the fetters was the only things that were bound up. That's what Jesus can do for you today, every one of you. I'm speaking to you this morning, and I'm speaking to me first. All my messages come to me first, and I'm speaking to myself. So don't feel any condemnation ever when I give a message, because I'm talking to me. Along, and if it fits you, then you take it, and you do something about it and use it. The ropes and the chains that bound them, that was the only things that were burned. And Jesus can do that for you today. We serve a living God, not a God who died 2,000 years ago. We don't have to be incarcerated or tied with chains or ropes to be bound. Many things we can find in life that bind us. Many of us are bound by depression and things that happen in the, in the mind. And some of us are, are bound because we, we can't forgive. And you could put lots of things. Many of you are in here, you've got something that I don't even know about that is binding you and holding you back. So you don't have to be incarcerated to be bound. You can be sitting here today looking good, looking good on the outside, but tied and bound by some form of addiction or problem. Let me tell you, the same God that delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the same God that can pull you out and deliver you today. I can pull people out of this congregation this morning who can tell you firsthand, nobody can take it away from them. There are things that's happened in my life. Nobody can take them away and say, no, that didn't happen, because they happened to me. And I can testify of it. And there are many people in here today that I can pull up to this platform that can testify how God delivered them from different situations. I'm going to tell you today about the delivering power of Jesus. And those people that I could pull up have experienced the delivering power for themselves we can find ourselves in the middle of a muddle. Are you getting it? Are you tracking, as they say, the young ones say? Different things today which can be our fiery furnace. But I want to tell you, you're not alone. 
It's a comforting thought that whatever we're going through, we don't have to be alone. Jesus is with us. He's in the middle of your struggle. Just like when he walked on the water out to the men, the, 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 the disciples in the boat. They were in the middle of a storm. Where did you find Jesus? Right there with them. In the middle of the storm or the middle of the struggle. I have a story I'm going to tell you that I've never shared before. I just felt prompted to share it today as I believe it's for someone here. It's a story of something that happened in our church, Zion Tabernacle, many years ago. It was even before we were married, and we've been married for 40 years. The family were called the Drysdales. It was Stuart and June Drysdale. I don't know if you remember them. Mrs. Drysdale, June, had suffered from depression for many years. She got wonderfully saved and started coming to our church in Peterhead. And she was asked one night later on as she'd started to come in regular to share her testimony. As she shared her testimony of how she had suffered from deep depression for a long time, for many years, most of her life, in fact. One night, she said she woke up and went to the front bedroom. This is her testifying, and these are her words. She had a bottle of pills in her hands. She had had enough. She couldn't take it anymore. And she wanted to end it all. She happened to look out the front window, and in the darkness and the distance, she saw a light. Now, Scotland is a little bit different from here. We know people and where they live, and we know all about them, and you know the ones from across the street, and you can, you can tell or know the people. It's a closer community than what it is in the States. It really is close. And we know people in the street, and they know your mother and your father and your uncle Jimmy and, and Bobby and Auntie Jessie. They know them all. They know the, all their faults and know all about them. You know how many milk bottles they get at the front door. It's just one of those kind of communities. That people know all about you. So in the darkness, she looked out as she looked out. These were the words of her testimony as she testified in our church in Scotland. It was a cold, wintry Scottish night. Around three in the morning, as she looked, she said to herself, that's Mr. Cameron's house, Maggie's dad's house. Someone must be up. There was just something about that light that gave her hope to keep going. Just something about seeing it. She went back to her bed and she slept like she had never slept before. It wasn't Mr. Cameron that was up that morning. It, it, at three in the morning, it was Maggie. And she'd been given a dream from the Lord at 3 a.m. in the morning, and she had got up and put up the light and was reading the scripture. She didn't know it at the time. It wasn't until after the lady had given her testimony that she found out that it was a hair that had the light on. And she had been given a scripture, and she got up. She was obedient to get up and to read the scripture that was given to her in her dream. She didn't know 
the effect the light being on would have in June Drysdale's life. It was a life-changing moment just by putting on a light. What you don't know about Maggie is after 9.30, she is about all in until 5.30 in the morning. I've learned, or I try not to disturb her after uh, about 11.30 at night until about 5.30 in the morning when she's up and away doing whatever she does with her chickens and her dogs and her shower and getting ready, vacuum in the house, and then she comes through with my breakfast in the morning. So I won't disturb her. She doesn't like to be disturbed. So for her to get up at 3 a.m. and put on her light was completely out of character for Maggie, my wife. I want you to understand the depth of what happened. It must have been the Lord. That's how much Jesus cares for every one of you here. He does things for us that we don't understand. And it doesn't have to be big things. It's the little things that he does, that he ministers to us because he cares for us. That's how much he cares, every one of us. What a special blessing that was for Maggie when June described the hope that light gave to her. If the Lord prompts you, let me encourage you to do something, do it. You may never know this side of heaven, the impact that you've had in someone else's life. Let me tell you with confidence. This one about June Drysdale was shared in her testimony. There are many things we do for the Lord we will never find out about until we reach eternity. I had a neighbor next door to us. We sold them the house. I had built the house, sold it to them, and, and built, built one next door, sold it to them, or something like that. And there, her name was Mao, Mrs. Mao. Her husband was Chinese, and uh, they had met uh, at Pearl Harbor. She was German, and he was in the Navy, the United States Navy, and uh, he was at Pearl Harbor at that, and he would tell us a lot of stories, a lovely couple, and they had a big family. And one of the things that we remember fondly of them is whenever they did a cleanup at the house with the whole family, a bit like the Johnny Kosh and his crowd at the back there, they all get together and they do it and they do it together. And her son went missing. And nobody could find out where he was and the family got, there was, there was the devil got in and, and tried to split their whole family, different things. And Maggie said to Mrs. Mo, and I never thought about it until this morning. In fact, I never even mentioned it to Maggie. But Maggie had said to Mrs. Mao, look, you see that light that's up there? She was talking to her from her house. That light will never go off until we hear about your son. And we want you to know that when you see that light, that we are praying for you. And there is hope. I never remembered about that till this morning. You may be sitting here today and you're thinking, there's no way out for me. But let me tell you that you don't have to go through it alone. You can find him right, right there in the middle of your muddle, right there with you, 
just like the three men in the fiery furnace, he was going to loose their chains that bound them. They were not alone. They were delivered. And they weren't only delivered, but they were promoted. They got promoted as well. Their stand caused, because they took their stand, because they took their stand for the Lord and they stood on what they believed in, it caused the king to believe in their God. He had many gods, but there was no God like our God. And I encourage you to take your stand and what you believe, to be strong in the words of the Lord. Read his word and get it into yourself so no one can try and take those things from you. There are many scriptures in the Bible that confirms what I'm telling you. In Daniel 3, how he was thrown into the lion's den, God closed a lion's mouth. Our God can cause our enemy's mouth to be silent. He closed the lion's mouth. Our enemy Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can de devour. It's real, folks. If the enemy, if you allow the enemy, the devil to get in in the slightest way, he's seeking to destroy you. He's seeking to rob from you. He's seeking to steal, rob, and not only that, to destroy you. Don't give him a foothold in any way, shape, or form. Take your stand and hold on to your stand. He comes to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy. But the same God who showed up in the middle of the fiery furnace is the same God who closed the lion's mouth, is the same God who could show up in the middle of your circumstances, in the middle of your model, and deliver you from your struggle. Would the team come forward right now? I want to tell you, God is faithful. If you're in a struggle today, he wants to help you. If you're unsaved today, let me tell you, the Lord wants to come into your heart and into your life. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he wants to be in your life. He wants to be there for you. And he wants to give you eternal life. Just like all those that have accepted him into their hearts and lives. If you've never done it, you can do it today. At this time in the service, when we come, I would love the honor of praying for you this morning. He wants to come into your heart. He wants you to have eternal life. I encourage you to come to him today. He's a wonderful savior. If you need a healing in your body, he can heal you right now. Just yesterday, I want you to know the importance that you are in a church. How important your life is. Just yesterday, I received a text from someone that's here today. I thanked them for their help that they'd given me. The response I received was, you're more than welcome. Thank you for all the help you do for me. I would not have anything if it wasn't for you, the church, and your family. I love you guys. God bless what a blessing it was for me when he put you all in my life. That's just a little something of what you do. The difference that you've made 
in someone's life who was lost and didn't know where to go. And because of our love for this person, it brought light into his life, just like that light that June Drysdale saw that night. That's what it does. I responded by saying these words. We serve a wonderful Jesus. He loves you. And they responded back. And I have you all to thank for showing me that. You have brought me a long way in the Lord. That's the difference that you and I can make as we walk this walk. Not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. So as we close in prayer this morning, if you've never accepted the Lord as your own personal Savior, I'm not going to embarrass you, but just raise your hand. We'd love to pray for you right now. As I scan the congregation, is there one here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your heart and life? Maybe you've been walking the fence and you're tired and you want to have a new relationship with God this morning. Just raise your hand. I'm going to embarrass you, just going to pray for you. Hallelujah. One this morning and you need prayer for a healing in your body or someone you'd like to stand in for, just come forward right now. I'd like the prayer team to come forward and we're going to pray together. Stretch forth your hand and let us believe together of this amazing God who is in the mid middle of each and every one of us in our model, whatever it may be, whatever circumstance you're facing. He's the fourth man in the fire, and his name is Jesus. So if you have a need this morning, just come forward. Just, just let's take a moment, it's early. Let's just take a moment and earnestly pray. Stretch forth your hand and believe with us that this amazing God is more than able to meet whatever need we might find ourselves in. As we take this blanket, as every stitch has been prayed over, as you've heard already, and as we anoint it with Eric, oil. Name, my boss. He's got a Carl loves her boss, and he's got a tumor in his brain, and he needs Jesus. He needs Jesus to undertake